and welcome to the Ripples in Space podcast. Once again, I'm John Davis. And this is Kate Reagan. We're so glad to have you here today on this fine Sunday afternoon. And we're once again presenting some fun flash fiction for you to eagerly digest. Digest. That's one way to put it. <laughs> Sometimes the people in the stories are being digested, but that is not the case with this story. Today we have a story uh, by Lisa Acherbo, and her story involves supercomputers and technology. So as normal, I'll do the bio, and Kate will read the story, and then we'll talk about it. Thank you once again for joining us here for another Ripples in Space podcast. Lisa Acherbo teaches at Trumbull High School and adjuncts at Norwalk Community College, both in Connecticut. She also lives in the state with her husband and an assortment of animals. When not hiking with her fur babies, she enjoys horror and science fiction. Her short stories and novels have been published by Suicide House Publishing, Limitless Publishing, Digital Fiction, and Perfectly Poisoned Anthologies. She would like to thank her Period 5 science fiction class at Trumbull High School for providing inspiration to write Boxes. Box by Lisa Acherbo Box, the worker said. Box, the tall, stoic, 20-something man named Jerry repeated. My name is Box. The man's fingers played with his dirty beard. Good to know. I need one. What? The man's mouth hung open. His red rim eyes matched the color of his facial hair. A box. I, I need one. The worker named Box put a brown cardboard container on the counter between them. Scan, he said. The tall man pressed his thumb into the scanner, and it deducted two credits from his bankroll. Thank you, Box said. Jerry walked out of the store and stepped onto the moving sidewalk, tinny and shined to perfection by workers on every corner. A few people rode along with him, enjoying the view of the airbuses that most others preferred as mode of transport. Airbuses were simple to enter and exit, and often brought riders right to their doorstep. With a touch of thumb chip to scanner, a rider could pay for the trip while an onboard computer collected a home address. At the correct stop, riders were prompted to exit, in case they forgot where they resided. He dipped his head in greeting to a woman traveling the other way, but she ignored him, her eyes unfocused, staring straight ahead. He was used to it. Jerry exited the moving sidewalk two blocks down, punched a security code into the door, and entered the large, white historical building. He carried the box up to his office. At his desk, he started packing. His co-worker, Pete, ambled over. How do you feel about the promotion? Jerry shrugged. Good, I guess. My IQ quotient is high enough, so I should find success in the new job. Damn, I'm jealous. I just missed out by two points. I'm a 95, he boasted. Jerry nodded. He wouldn't tell Pete that he was a 130. It was almost unheard of in this day and age. He'd read a book something few could still do, that explain the historic decline of intelligence. Ever since computers took away most memory-driven tasks and automation became common, IQs inexplicably dropped. The average IQ had fallen to a 71. A 95 was something to boast about. 
Jerry put a picture of his black Labrador retriever in the box. The dog had turned out to be a better companion than most humans, but he still held out hope for a partner. He'd gone so far as to join the only dating site for people with IQ numbers over 100, but he was picky and believed that many of those on the site lied about their number. One day couldn't divide by two when asked to split the check. She'd spoken into her thumb to get that answer. The woman had been astute enough to look embarrassed, but the incident had caused Jerry to take a few weeks off from dating. He picked up his box that, along with the picture of his dog, held his files and a plant. He liked the challenge of keeping it alive. I, I guess this is goodbye, Jerry said. Let's get drinks sometime. That sounds like a plan. The tall man headed for the elevator, which propelled him up two flights where he entered the Oval Office. Welcome, Jerry. A computerized voice boomed over the loudspeaker. Bring your box with you. You can unpack later. President Johnson turned to him. Welcome, Jerry, he mimicked. The president was a beautiful man, and no one doubted good looks and charisma were the reason he had been elected. He was, after all, just a figurehead for the country. We should get started, a female in a navy shift dress said. Her hair, stretched back into a tight bun, accentuated thick-framed glasses that took up a large portion of her face, but couldn't hide the intelligence in her gaze. She scrutinized him. I'm Jane. My parents couldn't decide what to name me, so they picked the character in their favorite book, Dick and Jane, Fun with Our Family, when those books were all the rage for adults trying to learn to read. That was a while back. I haven't seen a new book in five years now, but I digress. She used a finger to push her glasses up to the bridge of her nose, introduced the rest of the team, and then handed him a manila file. Our first challenge is public programming. We need to dumb it down. Public broadcasting has been receiving too much negative publicity for stressing education. What if we add some sex and gore? A fifty-ish man in a badly fitted suit asked. That can be educational, too. The question, Jane posed, is how do we do that without the minority who want to learn coming down on the government? Wait, Jerry interrupted the low murmur of conversation that had begun around him. You want to take away educational programming? Isn't the problem that too many people have lost the potential to think and learn? Why aren't we trying to improve it? Quiet chuckles erupted from his new co-workers. President Johnson joined in before picking his nose. Newbie, one of the advisors whispered. Jane peered at Jerry from over the top of her glasses. We no longer have wars, hunger, or poverty. Those too dumb to feed themselves die off naturally. The rest find menial work that suits them, pays for their basic comforts, and allows everyone to live. Technology takes care of everything else. It's a perfect world, and we rule it. Why ruin it? But it's not. It's not a perfect world. Are we going to have a problem here? The computerized voice blared from the loudspeaker. We have a place for intelligent people who find fault with my plan. He thought carefully for a long moment, all the while staring at the picture balanced precariously on the top of his box. The soulful eyes of his dog framed in it stared back. He turned his gaze to the nameless, faceless loudspeaker. 
Not at all. Jerry studied the file. And there you have Boxes by Lisa Acerbo. Poor Jerry. Yeah, it's kind of, I don't know, a little bit I'm reminded of like when people ask me simple math problems. Now the world's going to, of course, think I'm an idiot, but I <laughs> immediately pull out my phone to solve them. But, you know, back in the day, I solved it in my mind because we you know, didn't always have a calculator in our pockets. Yeah, my, my mother used to be uh, a banker, and so she still can just prattle off numbers at the top of her head, and I have to sit there and really think about it. So it's just amazing how in a generation or two, technology has already taken away a lot of our dependency on ourselves. I mean, you know, we all have, or most of us have, a Google Home, an Alexa, a Siri, and it does a lot of the things that we used to do on our own. So I kind of do feel like in a way we are, whilst having a more convenient life, we may actually be getting lazier and dumber because of it. This is how we turn into the fat people from WALL-E. And or The Matrix and or <laughs> Skynet from Terminator. Be wary. All it's of, coming. All of these are scary things to think about. But as always, you know, science fiction presents kind of a wonderful medium to provide that lens to view our society through. So thank you, Lisa, for giving us something to think about and to, you know, question our own lives about. So, as always, we love reading science fiction submitted to us by those from around the world, which is pretty cool. Uh, if you write science fiction, be sure to send it to us at ripplesinspace.com. There's a link there to our submittable page where you can send us flash fiction for the podcast, or you can send us science fiction stories to publish on our website. You can also follow us on social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, we occasionally post fun things, so we hope that you'll follow us and like us. And on uh, all your platforms that you're listening to this podcast, be sure to give us a like or leave us a comment. If you've got any ideas for us to talk about, we'd love to hear from you. Thank you for listening. And from all of us here at Ripples in Space, cheers from the void. See you later. <laughs>